Okay, hello everybody. My name is Monty Moran. I'm a young looking silver. I'm filling in for Jen Springer on her Monday night call, and I actually do the first Mondays of every month. And tonight will be a fun one because I'm actually interviewing the interviewer, so I'll be interviewing Jen. But first, let me do some a few announcements. One is, so if this is your first time on the Monday night calls and you want to hear past recordings, you can go, you can go to OurSimpleTraining.com and find the Monday Night Calls tab, and underneath that should be all the recordings for the past, I don't know, how many years. I know the memory is getting low on that one. Uh, and Jen's here. Sweet. <clears throat> and then on top of that, I have an event coming up May 2nd. It's called Fargo Super Saturday, and we actually have an Eventbrite site called FargoSuperSaturday.com. This will be a pretty cool one. I've I didn't really announce it as a Young Living event. It's more, obviously it is for Young Living people, but, you know, I thought, you know what, this is business and why I keep the business to ourselves. So I opened it up to anybody and everybody who's interested in business. And we're not doing the traditional products and Young Living business type style. Actually, we're going more into what I call the underground edition, where we have speakers who are phenomenal speakers and they're on the edge of becoming nationally known speakers and so you know i have one lady that talks about how to give an elevator speech so if somebody asks you hey monty so what do you do you know in 30 seconds i can say yeah my name is monty and i do young essential oils blah blah and i and she can help you basically get ideas on how to how to say that so people ask you a question you don't just stumble and go and waste 30 seconds of your time and their time um, I got another gal who, and she's been on the call before, Zenaida Lorenzo, and you know her biggest passion right now is what goes on in people's minds when they succeed, when they fail, how gritty are they, you know, how, you know, do they stick with it, or are they on to the next thing in two weeks, or you know, can they stay with it for 15 years and actually see the true benefits of how this business grows exponentially? And my final guy is. Mark Lindquist, and he's actually done a TED Talk. He's becoming very well-known. He's still a little bit under the radar, but he's becoming very well-known. He's got a talk. It's called the Passion Talk, and basically he will be our keynote speaker, and he's going to actually just dig deep into, you know, finding your passion, live your passion, things like that. He, he, and I've, I've seen him on stage once, and the guy is phenomenal, big energy, great guy. Uh, and then, you know, Randy Olson, she'll be talking about the things that we should always be talking about is how do we take care of ourselves? Because if you don't take care of yourself, how can you take care of anybody else? And we, and then Jen will be talking about some uh, hacks as far as, you know, how do you read your lab results? And she's just going to narrow it down to two, how to read your adrenals and how to read your thyroid labs. Because a lot of people eventually at some point in their life have those labs done and actually know how to read them and actually know, what labs are valid and which ones aren't valid or which ones are a waste of time and which ones give you the valuable information you need to know to bring to a doctor or a specialist or just work on for yourself. It's that kind of thing. So FargoSuperSaturday.com, that's May 2nd. That's an event bright site, so you can get the tickets there. And then I had one other. Oh, let's do the uh, – this is March 2nd. Holy cow, it's March 2nd. All right, so let's do the uh, – Essential rewards for March. Let's go from the bottom up. So for the 190 PV, you get the five mil of marjoram. 
And then if anybody's doing the Century Wars of the Outer Ship, you also get the Idaho Balsam Fur. And then for 250 PV, you'll get your marjoram, plus you'll get a $20 enrollment coupon. And I tell you what, we use those a lot because as we sign people up, it's almost just like, it's a nice gesture to say, hey, by the way, I have this enrollment coupon, so you save 20 bucks on your starter kit. Huge deal. And then 300 PV, that'll be the marjoram, plus a $20 enrollment coupon. And then this massage oil called OrthoEase, which is amazing because let me tell you something, I'm kind of getting back in this workout thing, and it's not my normal workout thing. It's more higher reps kind of deal. And my body's like, what the crap are you doing, dude? So I've been sore for like the last two weeks and, and an oil or a massage oil like this, OrthoEase is just phenomenal taking care of the aches and pains of the muscles. So that's the uh, sensory rewards for March. And tonight on the call, I have Jen Springer. Jen, are you on? Yes, I am. Hello, everybody. Hello. So I get a chance to interview the interviewer. And if you hear these papers rustling, it's because I have a whole bunch of cheat sheets here. You know, and I think the first thing, Jen, I'm going to ask you is, is, is this. Is, well, I'll preface it like this. So you've had people fill in for you on your Monday night calls. Um, you know, me and I, there's been a few others. And we'll all admit that it's not easy. So how did you learn how to interview people? Well, I could probably thank my mentor, Danny Johnson, because I used to be one of those seriously inflicted social anxiety people. And I never knew what to say to people to open up or carry on a conversation. I would get very, very tense and very uh, awkward, and I would almost avoid situations where I would be in public and having to meet new people. And I know some people are like, what? There's no way on that. But no, it's very true. And when I learned how to do the process of what we call forming, which is when you talk to people and form stands for F is for family, O is for occupation, R is for recreation, and M is message or whatever message you want to convey to people. And when I understood how to do that and how to get curious about people, and I know Richard Bliss Brooks talks about this as well, you know, get curious about people, genuinely interested and curious. And between hearing those words of advice, it's really true. Once you shift your mindset about the, you know, from the ego of, oh, God, what if I look stupid, ask, you know, and I don't know what to say or the wrong thing comes out of my mouth or whatever, and you flip it and you turn it on to the person you're talking to and you're genuinely curious about them, and if you don't know what to say, just think of F-O-R-M. I could just ask them about their family or what they do for their work or what do they like to do for fun or recreation. But as soon as I got that concept, it was effortless for me. And so that's how I learned how to interview people was using the basic form method and then just getting curious about people and really interested in them and turning the attention off myself. Cool. You know, and I know just so everybody else knows you, we used to listen to satellite radio and we kind of got to the point where we were flipping stations more than we were flipping regular radio stations, but you would always, I'd always catch you listening to Howard Stern. 
Now, is that one of your secrets on how to interview? Because he's interviewed oodles and thousands and millions and oodles of people. You know, what is funny is that I watch successful people. And I used to think Howard Stern was just the biggest knucklehead on the planet. And, you know, he's got his history of doing things. But you know what? It's all in the name of publicity and marketing. You know, I understand that now. I mean, back when you're in your 20s and you're seeing this guy act like a fool, you think he's just an idiot. And then when you get a little older, you're looking at him, especially when you're a marketer, you're like, oh, man, that dude is, like, brilliant. And I did enjoy listening to him because I would get ideas on how to pull stuff out of people and really get, you know, I guess you'd say deep into a question. Because one thing as an interviewer, when somebody answers a question, you have to think of the audience as to does the audience understand what this answer means? And if the audience doesn't understand the answer or maybe they're not familiar with the content, you have to ask another question so that people go in deeper and extrapolate more information. Uh, And so that, you know, like if you ask me, you know, Jen, how did you, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I I can't even think of a question, you know, like how did you do X, Y, Z, you know, and then you would have to pull out of me like more details so that it would make more sense. I don't know if that makes any any sense, but uh, you know, you have to make sure people understand what the answers are so that the newest person listening can be right up to speed with the person that fully gets what's happening. Gotcha. So while we're talking about skills, what what do you think your top three skills or attributes are? Well, <laughs> you weren't ready for this. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I think my top three skills, one is I know for sure I'm a visionary and I can see the big picture on stuff. And I always have big ideas and I can see a process and I can see a new way of marketing and that's one of my greatest gifts. <laughs> and sometimes it's my Achilles as well. But I, you know, I'm one of those big idea people. So there's that. Um, another thing would be is that I genuinely, yes, of course, I love my paycheck, right? But I genuinely, it's not about me, me making the money. Of course, it's, it's wonderful to have a nice check, but it's not all about that. You know, I really wish for my team to succeed and it's you know when I am talking to somebody in my team or bringing on a new person in Young Living whether it's a distributor or a customer I am not thinking about my paycheck I'm thinking about bettering that person's life and how can I help them and that I think is a big you know big skill and there was a period of time that I started out Young Living that way and then I started getting dollar signs in my eyes and I'll tell you that was a time period where my ego kind of took over because I was striving so hard to make the $10,000 check. And then when I finally let that go completely and really didn't care about the money, because you get to a point where your paycheck, whether it's 4000 or $5,000 or whatever it is for you, where you're making enough money to cover your bills, it's really easy just to let it go. And you're not so worried about, you know, making whatever ranks to cover your bills, you know, whatever your minimum amount it is to make your ends meet. And so I was able to let go after that. And then the check just blew up because I didn't care anymore. (laughs) It's just one of those things. So there's that, you know, really focusing on people versus my own 
interest, I think, is another, you know, skill or attribute. <clears throat> and then another thing is I think I'm a great presenter. You know, I know at times it's probably inappropriate and crude, some of the things I say, but I feel like I present well. And that's something that I've always pride myself in. I worked really hard to become a good presenter. And it started way back when I was in college actually high school, we had speech class, and then at college we had speech class, and I was just horrified and probably the worst speaker on the planet. And then I learned how to speak when I worked for an electronics company in Chicago, and I had to do OSHA training. And the funniest part was I would go around to every department, and there's a lot of departments. I don't remember if there was like six or, you know, six-plus departments every, that every month. I'd go through and do an OSHA training, and I'd bring out the blackboard or the whiteboard, and I would – I literally practice my presentation skills on these people. And don't take this the wrong way, anybody, but in Chicago, when you're in a manufacturing plant, there's a pretty good chance that at least half the people in the audience are not going to speak English. It's just a fact. I'm not trying to say be prejudiced. It's just a fact. So in order to keep them following me, I had to be really clear with what I was saying. I had to be simple. I had to enunciate well. I had to use visuals because I was training people on OSHA compliance, safety stuff, you know. And I really feel like that gave me the platform as to, you know, really get good at my presentation skills, which is funny because, I it, like, it took the pressure off that they didn't know English, but it also put pressure on that they didn't know English because I had to communicate in a way that was very clear, very paced. And uh, that's how I – learn how to speak and I remember going to the next company I did human resources in that company and the the guy who hired me didn't realize I had presentation skills at this time and this was before young living was in my repertoire and he called me to do a presentation on how to do a peer uh, no a a performance review because I was in charge of performance reviews in the HR department and (laughs) I just remember him going I just remember him looking at me and going I had no clue that you knew how to do that. <laughs> I just think of, of all the presentations that I did every month over and over for every department in that old electronics company. And I just say, oh, okay, it paid off because I actually got some, you know, unbiased feedback from my boss that I actually am a good speaker. <laughs> so, so I think speaking is my third most, uh, I, I a strong attribute. Cool. Okay. So going off of that, you know, Young Living if you've been in the company for a while, you understand that it seems like every year there's always going to be a sweetheart distributor that's doing something seemingly phenomenal. And you were a sweetheart way back in the early, what, 2003, 2004 era, right? Yeah, somewhere around there. And then back then, instead of having Young Living Corporate come and do intro classes, they actually didn't have corporate staff to do it. They actually used distributors to do that. And you were one of those distributors as one of the quote sweethearts that went around and did educational tours. How did you get into that? How did I get into doing that for the company or how did I? Yeah. how did you get into the doing that for the company? You know what? I don't did even they... remember because I don't even remember. I think actually maybe even one of my upline may have recommended me to do it, to teach. I don't remember if maybe Sherry Ross did or Sherry LaMarche might have. I don't remember, but I love to talk. You know, and maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's not, but I love to talk. 
and I may have volunteered or they may have asked me or maybe, you know, as I like to say, one of the Sherry's may have recommended or something like that. And that's how that may have happened. I quite don't remember because it's almost like, oh, my gosh, to think about it, it's like 12 to 13 years ago. You know, <laughs> It's like quite a long time. It seems like yesterday, but I think that's how it happens. So, you know, I guess I would say if you, if any of you listening have people in your team or your upline that you think would be a great presenter for convention or whatever, even if it's not a Young Living corporate type of event, but like, you know, us doing Super Saturdays or whatever you've got going on, recommend them for speakers because I, I would, I don't know if I would have piped up myself or maybe I did, I don't remember, but it really is an honor to be asked to speak. And I think it's a really cool thing. And I love to do it. And I was thrilled to do the tours and, you know, help with doing that at the time. And I just remember my first speak, my first speak, my first talk was in Dallas. And I had this funky airplane hangover. I think it was the worst talk of my entire life. And I couldn't even put sentences together. I don't know if anybody was in Dallas in 2000 three or something like that I don't remember and they remember me speaking I apologize I don't remember I remember <laughs> what happened I mean I I don't know what happened my brain did not work I could not put sentences together it was the only time I've ever gotten poor reviews on a lecture but something happened when I flew I don't know what happened but my brain did not work and I when that night I went to bed and I woke up and I was fine And from there out, it was fine on the tour, but for some reason, and I remember after that, I asked corporate, please send me in the day early because flying in the day of in the afternoon, I think I probably got there at three or four and I had to speak at six or seven or something like that. That, I don't know if that was it or whatever, but I was really messed up. And so I always asked them to send me in a day or like the night before so I could rest and not be all messed up and represent them well. That's good stuff, you know, because as an event quarter myself, I always think about, you know, who would be a good speaker and who would be somebody to change it up, Uh, you know, but now with the diamonds, you know, part of the diamond bonus is one of the uh, requisites is they need to do so many presentations or speeches or, or something each year. How does that work? I'm sorry, could you say the question again for some reason that somebody was calling in and I couldn't hear? Oh, okay. So, you know, just as, you know, I was telling you, as an event coordinator, I'm always looking for speakers. And, okay, I was looking for speakers, and it's always interesting to find new speakers or change things up or, you know, change the whole theme of the, the event. And as Diamond, you know, part of their diamond bonus, if they want to go that route, is they need to do so many presentations per year. Now, how does that work? How, what do they need to do? What do they need to do? Well, you're busting me out right now because I don't know the exact details of the Diamond Express program. I know that there has to be two internationals a year and so many out of state. And I apologize, everybody. So you can you can do well in Young Living and not know the entire backside, front side of all the comp plan stuff. I could pull it up and see if we can find it. But I know that there has to be at least two, uh, and even this might not be correct because um, it may have changed, but there has to be two internationals 
and I think five out of state. I don't know. You're calling me out, Monty. <laughs> well, the reason why I brought that up is because, say, if somebody brings in somebody in their team and they they find out that they're great speakers, uh, you know, that's kind of like a shoe in for the Diamond Express or you know, if someone's looking to aim right for Royal Crown Diamond, that's kind of one of the things that they should probably be working on is the ability to present because, they'll, you know, if they want that extra bonus for the Diamond Express, that's one of the things they would have to do. Well, I Correct. think I just found it here. It says, um, oh, where is Host a maximum of six, maximum, I know most people go in more than Host a maximum of six domestic or international training events in a 12-month period beginning from the time the distributor was initially paid as a diamond crown diamond or royal crown uh, for a maximum of six domestic trainings may be hosted and up to three international training events. And then, of course, they need to do a convention, one of the harvestings, and a global leadership trip. So there is that. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So you kind of went all over the board on my question list. So I'm going to reel it back in. Okay. So you said your top three skills or attributes. So what are you not good at? <laughs> Follow through. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even need to think about that one. You know, I am good. At, I'm good. I don't say it's one of my strengths because I do have a plan for everybody. You know, when you get your business gets really big, you have to be. You have to leverage your time so that you can follow through and stay in touch with people. But am I the best following up with leads? Not always. Am I the best at always making sure the postcards get out? Not always. It's, you know, especially if there's stuff going on in life and whatever. So I'd say follow up is not my strength. I'm good at it. I'm not great at it. So that would be one of them. Another one would be, uh, let's see. <clears throat> People tell me I'm organized. I don't feel organized at all. And don't laugh. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, you're not. No, but, you know, when I work with people like my accountant or you know, my web design person or people think I'm organized, but I'm really not because it's that whole big picture thing. You know, when it comes to details, I was younger. I used to be very detail-orientated and very left-brain specific. And I'm still left-brain, but I – I'm not as detail-orientated as I used to be. So when I have these big ideas, sometimes bringing them into the details and the follow-through is is challenging for me because I have great ideas all the time, and they don't always happen because I need a second command in order to help me with that because I'm, you know, I'm I'm that make-it-happen person, you know, and so I've got this idea, and then often I don't plan it. I'll just start doing it and because for me to take because I'm a red personality if you guys don't really know and can't tell that (laughs) for me to sit down and detail everything out makes me like like want to like just scream so I have the idea and then I just start executing and you know that I think is a strength and a weakness at the same time I'm like ready fire aim Oh wait! Did I hit the tar- did I hit the target at all? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're close. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I you know ready fire aim, and that's how I kind of run things. So I have made a conscious effort to surround myself with people that can assist me 
in making sure things are executed. And if not, then I understand that about myself. So I think that's also uh, another thing. So getting into details, you know, I have a team in two countries in I think about 30 states. How many countries are you in or how many states do you know? I think I'm in every state. And as far as countries, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I'll tell you why I don't know all these numbers. There's sometimes there are people that are, let's see if I've got anything. I, I can look in my young, my database. Um, oh, I could look up on Young Living. Go to the beta site. But I will tell you why. You know, I used to watch my volume multiple times a day. I used to go in and out, backwards, forwards, analyzing my downline report. And I believed that that was part of the reason why I didn't grow because I was so, I was watching the paint dry. And so I, here we are. Okay, I'm going to look at my thing here. So I kind of let it go. You know, I stopped studying, overstudying things like the comp plan. And I stopped really, uh, I guess you'd say, not micromanaging, microanalyzing everything. And when I did that, I became a, a more healthy business, I guess you'd say. So I've got people in Australia. I've got one in some islands here in the Gulf, Mexico, Canada, UK, over in the Middle East. So I don't know how many. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight, maybe? Those are the ones that are showing up. Okay, and you're kind of preluding to this, but here's the question anyway is, so with all these different countries and all the states, how do you manage everybody in your downline if they're all over the place? I am... I know that I have excellent leaders that are on my first or second level for the most part. You know, I've got one silver that's down a little bit for me. She's second level to me. But I know I have amazing leaders and I don't need to micromanage them. And I entrust that they, you know, because I know who the upline is for these different countries, I know that they're taking care of those people. And so I have a system in place where I'm in communication with my leaders and I've spent a lot of time with them in the past. And then I also do multiple exposures so people can reach me somehow. And I'm hoping that I reach them in a way. Cause even when I do postcards, I pay the extra postage to send it over to the UK and Ireland and stuff like that. And I, you know, even if that person just gets my postcard once or tw- you know, a couple times a year, and they're hearing from me, at least they can email me if they had a question in case their sponsor didn't, you know, take care, you know, take care of them, which is really unusual because my team is so fantastic with their follow-through. But I do the postcards. I do the emails. And mind you, everybody, you've heard me say it before, do not rely on emails as your primary way of talking to people because only 15% of them will get opened, 15 to 30%, depending on who, who what, where, and when is opening your emails. So you've got that. And then doing the conference calls is another way to support my entire team. And then doing uh, Facebook. You know, our Facebook group now is we've got a specific group that's just for building business only. and It's a private group. So that's, you know, a few hundred people that are in there. 
and growing. So having multiple ways to try to hit how people want to be communicated to, I think is a really important thing when you're a leader because when you're silver, you can still kind of manage everybody and you can still get to know people in your group. Gold, you're starting to lose track of people and platinum for sure, you know, because your teams are cooking and you're like, you're not going to know everybody in your organization, you know, and, and so you've got to figure out ways to work with your leaders and, and systems that, that are going to work to touch people multiple ways a year, you know, whether it's sometimes every every week, but it can be, you know, what's your system? Do you do mailers a couple times a year? Do you do emails? Does everybody know about the Facebook group? Do you do call-a-thons where you reach out on the phone and just do check-in calls? You know, how do you talk to people? You know, do you text your, your leader and then your leader sends out a text to their leaders and their leaders, you know, how do you, what's your system? And that, defining that, you know, Tom Challen really helped me figure that out because I felt like totally disorganized and like people were slipping through the cracks. I don't feel like that anymore. Okay. Well, you kind of answered two of my other questions right away, but I'll, I'll do it anyway. I was going to ask you, so why does Young Living call executive and above leadership ranks? And then you kind of just led into that. Um, but so, and then you talked about, you know, Tom Challen as a mentor, Danny Johnson as a mentor. Any other mentors that you have that you kind of have used in the past? Well, you know, like all of us, when you start your business, you you really will model your upline. And so I modeled my upline, and that's how I grew my business, doing the expos and stuff like that. And then I did, oh, boy, I've trained with Sandy Ellsberg. That was a long time ago, going to her seminars. Of course, Big Tom, Big Tom, <laughs> Big Al Tom Schreider, you know, Tom Big Al Schreider, however you want to say it. Gotta love him. I just adore him to pieces. Uh, Randy Gage, you know, there's some that you just really gravitate to. And, you know, and there's not, in my opinion, you know, study one and pull what you get and then study another one and study another one and study another one. The person who has directly mentored me has been Tom Challen. Like one on, you know, he's, you know, we talk and he kicks my butt and, you know, it's really interactive face-to-face, you know, training as far as going to seminars, reading books and stuff like that. Always new stuff. I love Sarah Robbins. She's amazing. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of over the years who else has been there. Oh, Tim Sales, Kim Claver. Those are some oldies right there. <laughs> I just I just saw tapes in my mind. The image that came in my mind was tapes because I had tapes that were Kim Claver's, you know, and Tim Sales tapes, you know, back then. Brilliant compensation. And, oh gosh, the first time first time I listened to Brilliant Compensation, I was just like. This is the Holy Grail. <laughs> that, that was a tape. <laughs> okay. Um, before we totally change subjects, let me ask you this, because, you know, my daughter KK, I've, I've been bringing her with me to pretty much every gig since she's been about six months. And so she's kind of, she's starting to get the idea. Were you groomed as a kid to become a businesswoman? You know, yes indirectly I don't think it was on purpose but it happened because I was surrounded by people that were successful you know my father was when I grew up he was a manager and then he got promoted into senior management and executives 
executive status. So I saw, you know, that just watching him. And then my grandmother had her own antique store and I would go and I would hang out with her in the summertime sometimes. And then I would help her with things maybe around the store or whatever. And so I had her as a role model. And then when I was in my teenage years, my mom and I used to do antique shows. We would do one every month, and then there were sometimes we would do some other ones randomly outside of that. So I would be up in the morning. You know, my mom, of course, enticing me with paying me cash, <laughs> $65 a day she would pay me. And if I had any of my own stuff I could sell or any of the jewelry I would polish and fix, then I could get a little more. But I just remember getting up at the butt crack of dawn. I mean, it was like dark out, you know, and I am not a morning person. And so it was hard. I mean, I think we were up at like four and to go do this show and we would get there and unpack and it was just a lot of work. But through my teenage years, I think I started that when I was either 14, maybe 14 or 15. And so setting up a booth, and talking to people and answering questions and all that stuff, I was literally immersed in it and not realizing I was being groomed, but I was being groomed. And that's probably why I did so well with the expos when I started to grow young living because I knew expos because you know, I'd been doing them since I was a teenager. And so that was you know, how, how that all happened. And then my family, my parents, always encouraged myself and my brother and my sister to do whatever we wanted to do. You know, they were, they were never a naysayer with that. They always were encouraging my company that holds my young living distributorship Peacock enterprises was founded in 1994. So I was 21 years old when I had my first company and it did some other things before it was eventually Peacock as in the young living distributor Peacock enterprises. But, my father helped me incorporate at that time, and I was encouraged to, you know, I wanted to create custom bridles for the breed of horse that I have because all the bridles were always too big. So, you know, my parents supported me with that and groomed me with that. It was, like, really, really cool. And so that business went through a few things before it became the Young Living Distributorship. And it's called Peacock Enterprises because the horses that I have are considered the peacock of the show ring. And instead of calling them, I didn't want the, I wanted the name, you know, according to my, my dad, he's like, you know, use something that's a little more versatile so that you can, uh, you know, change it. If it becomes something different, it won't really be, you know, it'd be more flexible with the name. So I'm like, well, Peacock Enterprises, you know, is, is more general, even though it, we're doing importing horse equipment from England. That's what the company originally did. And you know, now it's Peacock Enterprises, the company that owns you know, my young living distributorship. So, and he was right, you know, it changed about five things before it became young living. You know, I've done a lot of things with Peacock, but that company was incorporated in 1994. So I was always encouraged when it comes to business like that. Okay. So let's talk about this. So now, you, you know, you've been talking about the whole leadership thing. It's almost like the general on top of the hill, but now let's talk about being in the trenches you kind of alluded to that a little bit. So roughly, I know you can't say this specifically, but how many different varieties of classes or expos or events have you done? And can you just list like a few, well, list them all, like the cool ones, the, the not so cool ones, the good ones, the bad ones, the weird ones. Oh, man, I tell you, 
I have done a class on anything you can imagine. I've done hormones. I've done detox classes. I've done the toxic touch-me-nots, the chemicals. I've done kids' classes, pet classes. Um, I even do a romantic class, like a dirty class. We do classes. <laughs> yeah, that, that, of course, that would fit me, right? Um, <laughs> weight loss classes. We would do classes. On, I've done fibromyalgia talks. I've done mom's talks, 12 oils of scripture. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any others off the top of my head. There's probably some other ones. I probably could go through my computer and look at all the flyers I used to do. Of course, raindrop, you know, and auricular technique and things like that. Reflexology classes, spa classes, you know, make and take classes. Uh, Gosh, that's some of them. And then expos that I used to do, I would do anything. I would literally open the newspaper and being in Chicagoland, I would look at the calendar of events and I would call and anywhere I could get a table, I would do stuff. So we did women's expos, pet expos, holistic expos, home shows, spiritual new agey shows. If I could, like I said, if I could get a table somewhere, I would do it. And I usually stuck to the topics of women. I did a couple kid expos, but usually women's expos, pet expos, or horse expos, and health expos were the ones I really focused on. But I remember, you know, I've done some really ghetto stuff, you know. I mean, I've been in more trees and parks, and I've been in molded basements of churches where one or two people came through, and I've been to expos like CAM conferences in Manhattan where I spent $2,500 for a booth, and really it doesn't matter the cost of the booth. I'll tell you all that. You don't think that you need to save your money till you get a lot of it in order to go to these big events. Some of the best ones I ever did were $25 to $50 booths, and because the environment was smaller, I got to talk to people, and that's really what it's about. And so some of the best stuff I ever had or people, I guess is the best people I've ever met, were at the smaller events. Little, I mean, we'd be in a small room of 15 vendors, you know, and those were fantastic. And I did so many. I was doing at least one a week, sometimes two, but generally at least one of those a week. And I was doing two classes a week, usually a class for somebody I'm already in my business, helping them grow their business. And then the other class was me, like teaching one at a library or doing a fibromyalgia talk or a pet club talk or, you know, I was always out educating and at least two classes a week. And then one was uh, uh, like an expo where I would meet new people. So what would be the most embarrassing moment in your young living career? (laughs) The most embarrassing moment. I'm trying to think. You know what? Probably was that talk in Dallas where here I was recommended, you know, I think I'm pretty sure it was recommended. I think Sherry recommended me to do the classes. And and I was supposed to be all that and a bag of chips is my presentation skills. And I was almost like not functioning. It was really, really embarrassing. And I was really upset with even the feedback because I knew, you know, like my brain wasn't working for whatever reason. And that was really tough. And I was having a very hard time with that. That was probably one of the biggest ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. And we'll just even go more down the 
that path. So what would be the worst experience you've ever had? It, with my business? Yep. Probably, probably with two things. One is here having getting calls from my downline who and hearing their hearts breaking because somebody they talked to went and enrolled with somebody else because they didn't follow through. And, and I'm not saying they, it's their fault they didn't follow through. They were beating themselves up because they didn't follow through and enroll the person. And their, their heart was breaking because now this person is building a business with some other team member. And so that's really hard. That's really hard to hear. And as a, you know, as a mentor, you know, we've all had that happen, but it's like, you know, it's like the heartache you get for your children. You know, I was just, I don't have kids, so I don't really know. I'm only imagining what that could be like, because I just am like, oh, you know, hearing that from somebody is really hard. And uh, my heart goes out to them. I've had it happen myself. And, you know, so that's challenging. The other thing is when I first started, we would be building like crazy doing these expos. And people would, we would, I don't like this word, and I don't mean it in this way, but we would almost like, we would, people that would come to the booths, we would, everybody that enrolled that weekend would go underneath somebody from my team that was in the booth. So it was me and like three or four of the people. So if we had 40 signups, then we would divide those 40 between those three and four people, not myself. I wouldn't take any of them. And so some people we built very fast, and within a few months, their organization would be 100 people, like within three months. And so doing that and not being really sure of that person, whether they wanted to do follow-through, follow-up, and maybe it was my lack of training them and showing them. I don't know what happened, but watching those legs grow really fast and then the person that was the upline really didn't have their heart into the business and like I said it was probably me and a lack of training and it was them lack of motivation I don't know who where what when but basically the leg died and that's happened multiple times where I have helped build legs help like I said lack of a better term stack legs and and have that leg be really genuinely not having a leader at the top that was genuinely wanting to build. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's heartbreaking, yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping that makes sense to everybody there. Basically, my lesson is do not ever build a leg for the sake of building a leg. (laughs) That's the lesson there. You know, watching, you know, I was building legs to try to get people to silver because our old comp plan was all about silvers, and I would – just put people in these legs of legs that people would come and work the show, but they really weren't builders, you know, and then those legs would just die. I had multiple legs where that leg, the whole thing, like even the people that were at the top of legs now are, are inactive. And that was really, that's hard. And so now I'm really conscious about who I put where, you know, if I'm not putting somebody first level, I'm really conscious on where they go and that they're really going with the builder that is going to genuinely work with them. I wasn't, I had warm body syndrome. You know, if you wanted to build, great, I'll stack you. (laughs) I don't do that anymore. So heed that advice because if the energy isn't at the top of that leg, that leg will die. 
That's good stuff. Okay. <clears throat> so going with that one, it's funny because as you go through your, your answers, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a question that kind of ties into that one. Okay. So as you've kind of learned from some past mistakes and, and things like that, what skills are you honing on now as you're bridging the gap between platinum and diamond? Oh boy. Well, really ensuring that my team has their own systems in place because, you know, I have my own system, but my team doesn't need to use their, my system if they don't want to. And, my goal is to really ensure that the team knows what I have available and that they can take whatever I have and make it their own if they want, take it or leave it. You know, I'm not going to force whatever I do on people, but that they have a, a system to manage their teams and not get caught up in micromanagement like I did and to, you know, learn from my mistakes, even though nobody can really learn from somebody else's mistakes, but at least if I could help guide people to some degree, I'm hoping that is, you know, working. But really it seems to be working because the volume keeps growing and keeps growing and it's going that direction. So obviously it's working. And also, too, I'm more particular on who I spend time with as far as mentoring in business. And what I mean by that, it's not that everybody doesn't get an answer or get you know, time with me, but I'm, I'm actually leading more with the business than I did in the past and looking for business builders more than leading always with the product. You know, in the email, we talked about how, and you've done this a lot on the calls is, you know, you rapidly shot right to gold and then you flatlined the gold for a long time and you got stuck and I just kind of just want to bring this full circle. So how do you think you got stuck? And because I think we're kind of right on that, that page right now. And what did you do to get unstuck? And is this all kind of tied into that? No, it's, I got stuck because, I'm just getting something to drink here. I totally got stuck because I mentioned it a little bit earlier because I got focused on my paycheck. That was one piece of it. The second thing is a leader leads. A leader is at the front of the helm going forward. A leader isn't standing at the front, turned around, looking at their team, telling them what to do. And that's kind of what I did. I wasn't like dictating, but I was spending all my time on the phone with everybody and, or email or whatever. I was managing my team. And I wasn't out there building and sponsoring new people. And the best way to get your team going is you go. You know, if you're stuck, you you, you got to think, are you turned around looking at your team managing them or are you turned forward, going forward and having people follow you? And so that's where I made the mistake is that I thought once I was a silver, you know, gold, going to gold, blah, 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 that I had to be the leader and I had to tell people what to do <laughs> and coach them. And I was on the phone coaching people all day long. Oh, my gosh, my phone was ringing all day, all day long. And we didn't have texting then. So I was on the phone 
all day. I would have to charge my phone multiple times a day. It was bad. I'll just say that it was bad. And and I actually like an ass. I'll just be honest like with that because I really yeah, my my personal life suffered, my health suffered, everything because all I did was work, work, work and push, push. And that is probably the biggest the biggest mistake I ever made was that. And that's why we got stuck and flatlined. The leaders lead literally moving forward, face forward and showing people how to do the business versus telling people how to do the business. It's kind of like when you watch movies with wars and you look at the generals and you always have more admiration and respect for the generals that are actually up in the front leading the cavalry or the army versus sitting back two hills behind telling people what to do. Mm -hmm. It kind of goes into what's that percentage? 80, 20. So 20% of the time you're helping, you know, people with questions and managing a little bit, but 80% of the time you're out there leading the way, pretty much saying, Hey, if you want to, if you want to be with me and you want some leadership, catch me if you can, because here I go, I'm, I'm doing the business. Yeah, and that's what I remember when myself and one of my leaders, Cynthia Casper, and I, we went to Los Angeles to go see Danny Johnson speak for the first time. And this was in 2007, January of 2007, I think it was. And I just remember the first night after we saw Danny, and I remember our brains were so exhausted because we had so many epiphanies. We could hardly eat our dinner. Like, literally, we could hardly move the fork from the plate to our face. And we, our mouths were, like, wide open, but we couldn't eat. You know, we're just like, holy crap, where has this information been? Because Danny talked about that. You know, 80% of your time should be recruiting, 20%. If it's flipped, you're in management mode, and you're not going to grow. And it was right there. I was like, no wonder why I haven't grown in so many years because I've been in management mode. <laughs> I was so stuck. And I learned, you know, I learned a lot of things and I started growing again. But then when I started coaching with Tom, we really refined where some of my shortcomings were. And it was really about the management stuff. It really was about me getting my butt out there, making good money already with Young Living, but starting to sponsor people like I did at the beginning. And when I did that, my team unlocked and exploded it was the coolest thing it was like somebody sprinkled fairy dust over my downline (laughs) it was like amazing and all of you that are listening you know I I don't know if you realize that's what happened but I just said I let go of any attachments of any of my people even though I love them pieces but I let go of any expectations for them to build their business or not I let them go and I just started sponsoring new people and just started building and putting people first level and all that stuff. And my team just went like alive. It, it's the craziest thing, but it's just really cool. And that's, I, I recommend that if you're flatlined at all, you just go back to like you're brand new and go blitz. It's a good point. You know, I just had a revelation. Danny, Danny Johnson is, there's a new definition of stunner. She's a stunner because you think you're looking at her blonde hair and boobs, but actually she's got her red high heels planted in your butt, your gut, and probably even in the throat because you, she just she kicks the crap out of you and you didn't even realize it. And then until finally you're like, oh, my gosh, yeah. 
a lot uh, of people can't handle her. And you know what? I appreciate her because, you know, she'd sit there and she says, you know what? If you can't handle me and my squeaky voice and my Bible banging, basically is what she says, then you have a problem. Like your judgment, you know, you've got judgment. And I, you know, there's things that she says that I don't, I'm not with everything that she says, but it really taught me a huge lesson in business. And it's, this is not a call about promoting Danny Johnson or anything like that, but it's really about when, when I had my epiphanies about waking up and shifting my business, it was a lot of it was what, what she said. And I really, it was like a big wake up call. And cause she's so honest and yes, she's in your face and she, you know, she's always quoting stuff from the Bible and that may be your thing and it may not be your thing, but whatever your judgment is, you have to pay attention to that. You know, if you judge her because of the way she looks or if you're judging, you know, this and that, it's really eye opening. And she says that, you know, and, and it really will affect your business if you have any of these judgments in general, because that will limit you in your, in your business. And that was really, um, I think a huge turning point for me in my personal life and in my business life was, was working with that. You know, I think that's the beauty of network marketing is that really the only way to get to the top and be successful and truly successful and stay at the top or even just stay with it as you kind of grit through it and work your way through is you have to keep working on yourself. It's basically, it's a self-improvement business. And uh, to me, it's, it's phenomenal because when you see people who are at the top, you, you, I always question, so what did they work through to get to that point? Because you know, you know, through Danny Johnson's story, it's like you got to work through some stuff to basically build yourself up to the next level. Oh, totally. Um, it's completely. And your junk gets thrown in your face. And I will just encourage, though, whoever is stuck, and no matter where you're stuck, is to seek out people that know more than you do. And, and that people that are that have busted through those blocks, like, like what you just said, Monty, and, and say, hey, you know, this is what's going on with me. How can I get unstuck? What do I need to do? You know, what can you as an outsider see that I'm doing in my business or not doing? And that's when I, you know, hired Tom and he's like, girlfriend, you need to get your butt out there and you need to start recruiting. And I'm like, ah, and then we put some systems in place to help everybody, you know, be able to get communicated trained. But yeah, it was about, it was about me and, and it was all about me. And as soon as I changed and shifted it myself, all of a sudden my volume doubled. <laughs> I was like, Oh, <laughs> that's good stuff. That's pretty heavy stuff. And so I'm just going to lighten it up because some people are probably thinking, okay, I'm not ready for this. I don't know about this or yeah, I've already gone through that. So let's change it up. <clears throat> Monday night calls. So when did the, when did the Monday night calls, start and you started just for your team only first right i've done conference calls on and off for a long time i used to do the third the fourth to fourth tuesday of the month yeah I, a long time ago i used to do calls and uh i stopped for a couple of years when i moved and all that jazz when i moved up to, to north dakota and then tom got me doing the calls again because he's like you know, you've got to do more support. And he said that, you know, the best way to do it would be to do these calls. And he's the one that wanted me to do them as open calls. 
for the entire organization of Young Living, and that it's been it's been incredible to to do that. So I thank him for that idea, and and that was a couple years ago. Was it 2012? We started the calls, or 13? Could have been. No, maybe 13. I think it was. I have to look at the website. I think it was 2013. So with so, that, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people ask, how do you find people to get on your call? Because it seems like they're all over the place. I mean, sometimes they're corporate people. Sometimes they're totally non-young living people with phenomenal stories. Some people are your upline. Some people are your downline. Some people are your cross lines. How do you find these people? I just look at who's interesting, you know, who's been, who. I know people love hearing from corporate just as I do. So hands down, I'm slating one corporate person a month this year. And that's my goal is to have at least one a month. And then I've been doing a lot of my own training for you guys in the recent months because I want to create some programs with that, with some of the training that I've done in the past and we're kind of updating it and doing it as, as calls. But in general, it's like, who's interesting? Who's done cool stuff? Whether it's somebody that could offer a tool to the distributors, you know, something to help people's businesses be better, easier, follow up, you know, all that jazz. Or has somebody got a really good story? And, you know, and I'm always open to people recommending speakers. You know, if any of you are listening and you're like, I want to hear so-and-so, send me an email, reply to the email and I send it to you. And let me know, because I don't know everybody, especially nowadays with all the new distributors and new leaders we have. I don't know a lot of these people anymore. You know, back in the old days when <laughs> we knew everybody, now it's like, uh, I don't know who that new diamond is. I feel like a dork, you know. <laughs> so that's how I do that. Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing who pops up. It seems like the right people pop up at the right time, even, you know, for my calls, you know, like Beric Birchfield and... Uh, Jacob Adamo, 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 man, I always butcher his last name. It's Adam with an O at the end. Um, he's probably listening, so he's going to I know, he's probably you. laughing like, dude, come on, we already got, we already went through this. Um, you know, Andy Jenkins, these guys are all working on really cool stuff. They have, they're not even close to, you know, in our downline family, but they're cool people across the whole Young Living group that's like, yeah, okay, you guys are doing some cool stuff. Let me get you on because you guys are cool. But yeah, I, I agree. It's always trying to find really interesting people. So now my question is, and I'm sure a lot of people have asked this. So what's the deal with rebel health and rebel wealth? Well, I guess, you know, when you're naming your team, you got to think of something that would be more like most, you know, indicative of who you are. And I've always been a rebel, you know, since the, even since I was a teenager. You know, you tell me to go left, I'm going to go right just to spite you. I don't know. That's just kind of like how I'm wired and I don't understand. But also, too, the other thing is 98% of the population has the sheeple mentality, their followers. 2% of the population are the rebels, the people that go the other way, and the people that are going – you know, they're going upstream when everybody else is going downstream. So I believe that the people that I attract in my business and in my practice or you know, even as customers and clients, they're, they are rebels because they're going against the grain of the mainstream. And so that's how that came about. 
Speaking of going against mainstream, all right, so your background is you have a bachelor's in environmental engineering, you have a master's in holistic nutrition, and you went back and got an associate's in massage therapy. Is, do you have any other educational plans? And this is just a personal question just so I'm prepared. You don't spring, one, <laughs> you don't spring something on me going, hey, I'm going to be an acupuncturist now or something like that. You know, you just never know uh, with me what I might do. Uh, you know, I've I've entertained so many things. I think about that all the time. I'm like, you know, I'd love to go and learn acupuncture. I'd love to go and uh, I think I'm too old for medical school. <laughs> you know, I don't really know. You know, there's so many things. I'm thinking about like doing some EFT training. I just love learning and it's just how I'm wired. I love learning. You never know, honey. I might wind up going to acupuncture school. I love Chinese medicine. I think that it is the bomb. You know, it's been around for thousands of years, and those theories have been proven over and over and over just to be darn true. And, you know, EFT is based off of meridian tapping. You know, macrobiotic eating is based off of the elements, you know, and the the energies of yin and yang. You know, you've got... Anything from yoga, which everybody thinks is exercise now, but it's a meditative practice, and you're also working your meridians, which are goes back to Chinese medicine, you know, and Asian medicine. So I just I'm enamored by it, and I probably get the most excited about you know Chinese medicine right now. Okay, well we're past the hour, but I have some really I have more questions. So if you don't mind, we can keep going on this. Yeah, so, well, let's just do maybe yeah, let's just do a couple more. Okay, what is your best Gary story ever? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I'm going to warn and caution anybody to get on the back of a snowmobile with Gary Young because we were up in the mountains in Salt Lake area. I think, where are we at? Daniel Summit or something like that. And Gary was shooting up the mountain and the – the snowmobile, of course, he's got like the most souped up, fancy snowmobile you could ever imagine. He would shoot up and then the the snowmobile would go airborne and then you would land. And it was like a really steep thing. So I made this judgment to get on the snowmobile with him. And if you anybody knows me, I am not a daring person. Like when it comes to thrill-seeking, negative right here okay so what possessed me to do this i'm not sure so i get on the back of his snowmobile and we're we're flying up this mountain i swear i probably cracked his ribs i squeezed him so hard and we flew up and we like airborne it and crashed down and then coming down the mountains just to keep going up and i never forget we get down to the bottom and i jumped off this motorcycle and I pulled my hat up and I looked at him. He's got this look on his face. And I'm like, holy shit. Oh, my God. And, and, and this cuss is for Gary Young. And he's laughing hysterically. I'm like, uh, I'm just like beside myself with this whole thing. I can't, like, I can't believe I, I probably like adjusted him and his spine, you know, <laughs> like, I, I can't believe that I didn't crack a rib because I was like, I didn't even look. I, I My face was buried in his back and I just, you know, whatever. But that was probably my best story because um, it was just really fun, but it was also, you know, to see his face when I'm like freaking out, cursing. <laughs> and I was happy, but I was also like, I can't believe that just happened, <laughs> this kind of thing. So that was 
probably it. There's so many Gary stories in general, but that's probably my favorite one because, you know, when knowing Gary and how he is, he is, he walks that talk of who he is and when it comes to living life. And so just think twice before you volunteer yourself for some very uh, daring type of thing that could put your body in harm. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, you know what? I have one more Gary story that this is about Gary's heart. Um, when we were in Ecuador in 2005, it was one of the first groups that went down there. I think it was 2005, late 2005, maybe early 2006. I don't remember when it was exactly, but we were in Ecuador. No, it was, it was 2005, 2006, so somewhere there. But we were down in Ecuador, and we half of us got sick. And with some bad sandwiches or something. So if any of you are on this phone call, you know what I'm talking about. And people were dropping like flies with this intestinal thing. And one of my girls, that was one of my downline was in Ecuador with us, was one of the first ones to get sick. And I'll never forget, because Gary heard that we were dropping like flies. And I was in the hotel room with this girl that was getting sick. And myself, there was like, couple of us there was like five of us so myself and my friend who's a nurse we were down there you know seeing how we could help and then Gary comes in and it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen because he shifted into this really unbelievable humble healer mode and I'm not saying he's not that you know but he he shifted his energy into something I'd never seen before and in his healer mode and he comes in, and it's almost like he became this medicine man. It was incredible. And he got really humble, and he's, you know, checking out this, you know, this person and, you know, listening to what we had done and making some recommendations and, you know, talking to her. And it was just like this incredible experience because seeing his heart that way and seeing him just, it, like I said, it was like he was this medicine man that came in and how he spoke to us even working there with her on our level, you know, and not coming in and being this egotistical person, which he's not, but, you know, here is the owner of Young Living Oils, essential oil expert of the world, right? And he's, you know, like, what did you guys do? And and even the next day he shared with everybody our protocol that we did. And it was really cool. And it really, when I saw him do that and I saw who he was, you know, I really got to see who he was as a person. And that was just so impressive. You know, we see Gary on the stage and, you know, we see Gary even talking to people and and we see him in the, you know, videos. But to see him working on somebody who is having issues was probably the most humbling experience I've ever seen. And I I just, like, it was amazing to see that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, yeah, usually when we see him, he's always in the limelight, so he's got to have that. The, you know, I'm entertaining or the show persona. Um, my favorite story, not that I know Gary and Mary very well or have that many experiences, but you had Mary on for an interview on Monday Night Call about the beauty line. And anyway, we got to an hour and Gary said, and you could hear the door open and, and Gary said, who are, you, who are you talking to? You know, as if, you know, time for her to hang up and she said well I'm talking to Jen Springer and there's like a thousand people on the line oh and he sat down and he talked for another hour and he 
revealed probably the most humbling things I've ever heard a guy that leads the company ever say. He was very down to earth, amazing. Yes, and that's why I think so many of us are so defensive about Young Living, not because it's our company that we represent for a product that we're making an income off of. It's because we've seen Gary and Mary Young in on a personal level, and we're it's like we're defending our family. To put a lack of a better term, and for any of you that are newer and you're working your way up the ranks and you get to go to the harvest and the retreats and stuff, make sure you get a chance to spend some time with them if you can. I know sometimes it's hard, but do your very best and and get to know them as people outside of them being the leader of the company. Hey, Jen, if there is oil that was discontinued either last year or 20 years ago, and you wish they would bring it back, what would that oil be? I think legacy. And what is legacy? Legacy is a blend that was a blend of all the oils. Like, you know, and Marcella Von Harding was so funny. When she would sign somebody up, she'd have them get the essential seven and legacy because then she could say, now you have every oil (laughs) and legacy had every oil in it at the time. And that was, it's hard because it either be that or chivalry, you know, those two are really close to me, but if I had to pick just one, it would probably be legacy. And, uh, yeah. It, How about a product? Product. If there's something I wish that we could have back. Um, I know ultra young right now is one that everybody wants back. And so if you want it back, make sure you email in customer service to that, that product needs to come back. But outside of that, we had a couple really, really good products. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of one was Auralite, and that was a long time ago. Auralite was a product that was, you know, helped with some depression and anxiety. It had like some St. John's Wort and 5-HTP and stuff like that, and it was really good. I wish we had not discontinued that one. It was really fantastic. And Thermaburn and Thermomist, those were good products too. I could keep going. Oh. Immutune, Exodus. <laughs> okay, <laughs> stop. Some... All right, so I have, I have the last three questions. And one is, how do you select your auto ship items? <laughs> I go, honey, what do we need? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> generally it's like, most of my stuff, believe it or not, is usually personal care items or, you know, whatever we're working on. But, you know, like this month is like products on there that we're going to give away at Expos in those vendor baskets. You know, we've got like the, the lavender line in, in there, you know, the lavender lotion, lavender soap, lavender uh, bath gel. Uh, sometimes I'll put even the lavender uh, cooling mist for doing like a, like a vendor booth, you know, raffle thing. But in general for the auto ships, it's like, what are we low in? What do we need? You know, what, what's the, what's the inventory calling for? Very good. That's true. It's, we pretty much replacement buy. It's instead of going to Walmart or Target, we go to Young Living. Um, last two questions and I think they tie in together. So I'm going to throw them at the same time and then I'll be, that'll be it. So what would be your most rewarding experience uh, with Young Living? And then what motivates you? Last two questions. Um, 
the most rewarding thing I believe is when I get a call from somebody in my group. Well, the most rewarding thing is watching people do their first presentation on their own. And the second thing is getting those phone calls when people say, I did it on my own and I enrolled whatever, you know, whether it's one person or 10 people. I think that's the, for me the most exciting thing is to see people doing their own presentations and sponsoring people. Not because it makes my, I mean, yeah, it makes my business bigger, but that they could do it. Because as all of you know, the hardest person to sponsor is the first person. And watching somebody break through that is incredibly awesome. So there's that. And what motivates me <laughs> these days, I feel like I need a little more motivation because, you know, I'm kind of stuck. There's in an oil for that. I know I've been using it. <laughs> motivation. <laughs> Into the future, motivation, you know, getting going. But really it's about creating success for other people in in the group, you know. And what motivates me, just like I said, and it's similar to my first answer, is being the example and showing people how to do this and then doing it with them and then showing them how and then watching them do it. You know, that's what motivates me is to help people understand, you know, what this company is about and how they can be empowered and how they can grow their business. Very good. Well, I'm going to unmute the lines and I'll have everybody say goodnight to you, Jen. Hold on a second. Okay. Thank you. 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 Thank you.